This is the Infinite Flow Show. The Infinite Flow Show. The Infinite Flow Show. The Infinite Flow Show. Where hip hop, the gospel, and sports intersect. Stopping you, just look him in the face and say, God got my back. We don't mess around with haters, we don't have the time for that. I don't need you in my DMs, talking like that. I'm about my I father's business, cut, I was so built like that. I was built like that. I stay real, hard work hard. Gotta get my weight up, gotta get my weight up. Give it that overridden buckle flow. I call it that pop style. This the one with my rap friends. You can play in your black bands with the top down here. Yeah. Hold up, like, give me a second. But to the power kinetic. Bro, do it look like we stressing. Way up, there's blessings on blessings. Way up, no, we never let it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come from where we all rise up. Take a lot, still rise up. Dead and gone, that's behind us. Yeah, we know, don't remind us. Still screaming out loud. ATLA, ATA. Next year, come find us. Woo. Everybody sounding like they pop now, huh? Everybody wanna be on top now, huh? Pride comes way before that knockdown, huh? Leaning on a rock, I need a backboard, huh? MVP, no, we are not playing like a blank CD. Every day we pay a price, and boy, that price ain't cheap. Greatest of all time, that's my GOD, you dig? <laughs> Catch me in the kitchen, never got no flour on my pants Catch me in Miami, covered up trying to stay out of the sand And I ain't getting dirty, dirty South is strictly where I am And I ain't trying to flirt, you want to talk, then talk straight to my man I know you want to ride with the black pack, re-educate, just get it on your knapsack Whipping with the honey from the gray heart I reside in a land that I couldn't even see in my mind Gold streets, gold trees, Emerald City, sitting pretty like a peach Motivation to the end you should pass it to a friend. Clean. Go watch, go ring, saucing on me, 
G. Love got the homie. Do it all for the team. Do it all for the team. We changing the game. You talking, but you're not walking. 24/7, you doing the up, uh. I'm just trying to catch a wave. I'm just trying to make a wave. Keep it a hundred, keep it a hundred, keep it a hundred, yeah. Keep it a hundred, keep it a hundred, keep it a hundred, yeah. Soft up, want me? Soft up, want me? Soft up, want me? Soft up, want me? Keep it a hundred, keep it a hundred, keep it a hundred, yeah. Keep it a hundred, keep it a hundred, keep it a hundred, yeah. Real thick, throw it up, won't miss. It's a home run right hit. Get your weight up, get your weight up, get your weight up, get your weight up. Oh my god, he the best. I'll burst like the rest. I don't even gotta stress. Keep a trip, nothing less. Get your weight up, get your weight up, get your weight up, get your weight up. Shake my hand at the show, put your hand on the low. Hurt you like the way I flow. Got a string like an O. Breaking on these rhymes. On the clock, never waste time. On the ladder, and I gotta climb. To the top, cause the case mine. Three feet up and I try. I don't even wanna rock. Put my city on a map. In a church, doing laps. Whipping and flipping and throwing the foes. Begging the west and cooking on the stove. You thinking you bout it, they kicking the dough. Leaving you dripping like the water hose. Body dry. If you keep running your mouth. From Montgomery, Alabama. We ain't never seen a drop. You can drop, cause we up right now. Till we float up to the clouds, ayy. Pull up on the block and I'm lit. Got them looking real sick. Throw it up, won't miss. Here's a home run hit. Get your weight up. Get your weight up. Get your weight up. Get your weight up. Oh my God, he the best. I'll burst like the rest. I don't even gotta stress. Keep a trip, nothing less. Get your weight up. Get your weight up. Get your weight up. Get your weight up. Living a life in slow mo. The king of kings, the lord of the rings. I'm living a life in Frodo. You living that life of Coco. I ain't looking to fight the popo. I'm on another page in the middle age. I don't like the fofo. I know, I know, I know. I ain't going full throttle. I ain't the man, cause I ain't popping them gold bottles. Lil' homie, I've been OG since 03 and had a big hand in molding most of y'all role models. Lil' homie, I'm done with that. Trust God, live right, and get your funds intact. My new block is the Wall Street. I'm running that so I can make money singing nothing like it's mumble rap. Sailor, I can run with that. We from the era of Omavi jeans and starter caps. Where the verses gave you heart attacks. Humanoid MCs from different planets like the Thundercats. We ain't playing no more. You living a lot, that's not who you are. I see right through your photos. You act like Poppy, don't know. Cause see right through your logos. All that fashion don't mean nothing if you really bozos. <laughs> yeah. We found the truth and bring it back. Where don't cut your face, where the goons and the guns are at. Where you'll scrap and get your homie clapped. In the jungle where they rumble and they'll slump you for a couple racks. Uh, all these rappers being role models. Really spitting fiction, giving whole novels. To make it worse, they getting funds for that. While we speak the truth, we go unnoticed, getting crumbs for that. Wow. Oh man, they ain't ready for it. I hope I struck y'all nerves. Tried to camp pops, they can't stop our surge. All we do is plant seeds, guess it's one for the birds. And the mission field, cause we've been chosen. Serve them over the net because the U.S. open. And the Bible Belt with no time to waste. If you standing for it, then we plug the world out this place. Yeah, who we going to get to ring me along? I 
smell a lot of gas and all of these false stars. Hey, tell me what you here for. I came to blow like a new port or the nuclear. Let's be clear, homie. Huh? from the jump. Squad got the heat that you want now. They waiting on the drop. See, waiting on the drop now. Tell you from the jump. Squad got the heat that you want now. I'm playing, but pass me the rock and I'm making rain for the glory we bring in Jesus' name. Punches, they MMA kicks, submission holes for the Trinity in this matrix. Mission flows, they barely give us a chance. Me and my Kendrick Cole, still we trying to add to the body. That's the fitness goal. I witness, bro, it's church all over the whole earth. I'm in the Holy Spirit through the whole verse. The bars mean, but we hold to this hope first. LeVar Ball, I promise I know what soul's worth. Word, what we deserve, Christ canceled that. We're unworthy to untie your sandal straps. Your first sin, the last straw, the camel's back broken in the womb. Uncle Drew couldn't handle that. A double portion when that mantle passed. And of course, the wingspan's extended by God's angels. We feeling like Giannis whenever we drop singles. So imagine the albums got all over the outcome. Spiritism. Sanders. Sit in Virginia, don't ever come around tight talking like you don't see the salt and light. And I ain't scruff McGruff, this ain't punch out. If it come to duffing, the devil will see for bulk a bite. It's word to Mike, y'all. Carry the rock, gotta start a light. But I ain't never rock a mask in the dark of night. But I pop for the mission. The knots get it shaking on the block. Now I'm feeling kind Parker like. But not Peter, even with the shots from the web. And even like Tony with the spot for the spurs. But I'ma do it for the pops, so the props I'ma drop. Highlighting my holy with a shot of word. That's why I know that my shepherd I'ma go to serve. And if the world trying to fall, I'ma throw the curve Homie, I got the nerve So if it ain't about Keeping the eyes up on the sparrow It's for the bird You heard? They wanna kill the process Task management Dude stiff looking like Frozen rapping mannequins Let it go Don't let them bother you anymore This cold world is poor But grace can bring the credit in Not the fettuccine or guac I'm on my carnivore Longing for the meat of the work Can't let them starve no more Take it back I need that bread too And living water Give them honest spit for the pot I can't say my art is poor The last will be first First will be last forever Watch this broke don't have time for waxing clever blacksmith with the words raps give them the word but it's all in vain if i'm not living the verbs lyricism still a christian still his mission in the flesh impossible need strength for his commission and i'm not woke because i've been awake and i can listen i don't need memes in youtube for true religion sending our genes and it takes christ to change the denim he hates sin so that means that he must hate with sinners yet he loved the world sent more than a valentine gave 
gave us Merry Christmas by putting on flesh, he came to get us. Still struggle with killing sin, can't hold my own. If I start posting in me, say, homie, hold the phone. If I got my chin up, condescending like holy drone, call me to repentance. iOS is holy froze. Heart sick, second, aiming at me on target. Red dot, point me to the medicine department. Or better yet, take me to the little clinic, to the physician and forgiveness. That's the sinner's pardon, that's atonement. When I sin, I must thank. He poured out his plasma, eternal blood bank. Never wasted a drop, and every patient was shot. Riding with him when he comes back on that Mustang. That's too specific. He'll return Tyreek Hill and kill sin like the game did Meek Mill. And in that great moment, many millions were chameleon changed over to perfection, complete filled. Christmas message no fat dudes with funny hats. Prophets made the way and he came through like running backs. If you haven't trusted in faith, repenting of your living. Confess your sins and seek the Lord before you run his back. Too fly, too clap, stick them up. Look. Just had a dollar in a hoop drink. Wanna make a better life for my offspring. My mama wasn't faithful and my daddy creep. So for me to even trust you, I need loyalty. Anytime I close my eyes can be the last time. And they wonder why I'm living like my last night. Never having nothing when I'm used to. So there's no life will take some getting used to. I was stealing everything from the quick stop. Got caught clerk, didn't even call the cops. Told me, young man, I know you can do better. Don't you ever let these streets get your head. And I didn't, but I'm still up in the city. They don't play nice, they gon' take it, that's a given Through the duffel in the truck, so I'm ready when you say Now every time I get complacent, I'll be feeling out of place like Trap stars, hustlers in the hood dudes While y'all out there grinding, man, chasing the cheese I wanna let you know that salvation is free You ain't gotta pay a dime Christ covered the cost When he hung and he died and shed his blood on the cross He did that for me and did that for you Now I got a question for your boy What you gonna do? What the word say? Confess and believe Let the Lord in your heart and watch God set you free Man, chains get broken and shackles get loose Devil is alive, man, and God be the truth Yeah, I be the proof If you ever need a witness He changed my life and I forever be Oh, glory to God, man. Praise God, man. Thank God, man. Praise God. All the glory to God, man. Thank God, man. Praise God, man. Thank God. All the glory to God, man. Praise God, man. Thank God, man. Praise God. All the glory to God, man. Praise God, man. Thank God, man. Praise God. No more my music. It's just God music. He gave me the gift to spit it, so I'ma use it to glorify His name. Bring honor to the throne. Spread love to the people. We just try and get along. I'm trying to get us home into the promised land. Out of the devil's arms and into the Father's hand. I promise He got a plan for your life if you trust Him. Tell the enemy when we see Him, we gon' bust him right over the head with the word like Jesus did. Keep the armor on me, homie. Every time you see the kid, time for me to live and walk into my destiny. Feeling like Marvin Sapper, he saw the best in me. Now I'm trying to let my life. Shine to my partners in the hood Let them 
know when you rocking with the Lord, man, it's good. Cause he got you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Straight into the kingdom, to the Father, where he take you, yo. So get ready, everybody, get ready. Christ on his way back real soon. Get ready. Get ready, everybody, get ready. Christ on his way back real soon. Get ready. <laughs> For real, we coming back. We hope you enjoyed the music mix. Now we have a gospel message by Pastor Merritt Robinson. Well, today we're here in Revelation chapter 12, and the title of the message is The Great Battle, Humanity versus Satan. If you go back to the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, and specifically Genesis chapter 3, starting out at verse 12, the Lord, as he is speaking to uh, Eve after Adam and Eve have fallen into sin, they have eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil after the Lord has specifically stated that they should not. But the Lord turns to the woman and he says at verse 13, what is it that you have done? And Eve responds by stating, the serpent, he tricked me and I ate. And the Lord then responds to the serpent and says, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. But then at verse 15 of chapter 3 of Genesis, the Lord says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. It really speaks of the relationship between God's people and Satan and how Satan is the one who is the is the opposer of God's people. He is the one who is in a combative relationship throughout the time of history. And even up until this time, Satan opposes God's people. And you should know specifically when it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, he will strike your head. It's speaking of Jesus. Jesus would be the one who would ultimately be able to overcome the demonic powers of Satan. He would be the one who can overcome all. You know, Jesus said, I have come into, I have come to the world to overcome all. And so it would be Jesus who would be able to overcome sin and death and unrighteousness and wickedness as he lived here on this earth for 30, 33 years as a man fully God, yet fully human, he would be the one who would be able to overcome Satan and strike his head. But yet, Satan would always be there as a thorn in the side to strike at the heel of God's people. And so when we get to Revelation chapter 12, one of the things that is stated here is this, that a great sign appeared into heaven, and a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. John, in his apocalyptic vision, and again, as we've talked about the apocalyptic visions that John was receiving, he receives another vision, and it indicates it's a sign. See, the visions that John was receiving were signs of things that were to come. And so he receives this sign, and it's a woman clothed with the sun. Now, who is the woman? Well, the woman speaks of the nation of Israel. But along with this woman was the moon under her feet 
and a crown of twelve stars on her head. Now, the twelve stars represent the twelve patriarchs of the Old Testament, and the crown represents victory. Now, as you get to verse 2, note, it also says this, And she was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Now, this is a picture that represents the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, as he took on flesh and would dwell with humanity. Again, Jesus was fully God and fully human. He took on in the incarnation on flesh and became a human being and dwelled, dwelled here on the earth for 33 years approximately. And so this picture represents the birth of, of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And the reflection of a woman in child labor with birth pains. It's interesting that the disciples asked Jesus, what would be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And one of the things that Jesus states is this. In Mark chapter 13, verse 8, he says, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of birth pangs. What he was indicating was this, that there is contention between godliness and ungodliness, and specifically contention between the people of God and Satan. The Apostle Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3, when they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. And so this picture that we have here in Revelation chapter 12, verse 2, of this woman who is pregnant, who is crying out in pain as she's about to give birth, it's really, a, again, a picture of the birth of Jesus Christ, but also how there is going to be this opposition throughout time between God, God's people, and between Satan and and those who are associated with ungodliness and unrighteousness. But then it goes on at verse 3 and says this, And then another sign appeared in heaven, and there was an enormous red dragon with seven heads and, and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Now, remember, the book of Revelation is a figurative book. It is symbolic. Throughout this book, there is symbolism. And one of the things that we need to do is contrast and compare the woman and Satan. See, the red dragon is speaking of Satan. And the seven heads speak of completeness. The ten horns speak of the world. And the seven crowns always speak of, of sovereignty or rule. Thus, Satan has rule and sovereignty in the world. It's interesting that Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, that that he calls Satan the ruler or the prince of the world. Note, Satan is not a king. He is not a king because God is the king of kings. But despite the fact that he is a ruler, speaking of Satan, and a prince of the world, he is only being given this rulership or being able to rule for a little while. His reign is not permanent, and it will soon be replaced by the coming king, King Jesus. In John chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, or verse 31, I should say. It says this, now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. In John chapter 16, John says this, the ruler of this world has been 
condemned. And so we see that Satan has rule, but for a limited time. But then at verse 4, it says this, And its tail swept a third of the stars, speaking of the dragon, which is Satan. His, its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. Now, this is a, not a literal translation, but it is symbolic. And what is it? it's indicating is this, that Satan drew a third, a significant number from following the Lord. In Revelation chapter 9, if we can go back a little bit, in Revelation chapter 9, it says this, And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from heaven to earth. And he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. And he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit. And from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given authority like the authority of scorpions of the earth. Later on in Revelation chapter 9, verse 11, 11 specifically, and it says this, And they have as a king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. And so we see here that Satan has these uh, ungodly fallen angels who are coming and they have been flung to the earth but they are thrown into this bottomless pit but then it goes on to say this and the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born since adam and eve there has been contention again between the covenantal people of god and satan after the fall God, again, described the relationship between the serpent and humanity. Again, note what I stated before in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Again, the term strike your heel in the Hebrew means to attack from behind. It means to be insidious and deceitful. The term strike your head means victoriously overcoming another's attempt to destroy you. And so we see here that God was, again, foretelling this relationship that Satan and his cronies would forever be trying to be deceitful, to attack from behind. But yet, Jesus the one who overcomes, he would be able to victoriously overcome and destroy Satan and his schemes. Now, do you know the scenario revolving the birth of Jesus Christ? Well, here it is. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, and you'll find this in Matthew chapter 2, Wise men from the earth, from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at, at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, note, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, or Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people, Israel. And later on in 
Matthew chapter 2, Herod, realizing this, and, and here's the thing, Herod had fought for this area in Judea. He had fought for it so that he could be king. And so when he hears this story about the birth of the Messiah, Jesus, and him being king, he is under the impression that there is someone who is coming to take over his kingship. And so if you had fought for a land for so many years, and then you hear of someone coming to take your kingdom, you are going to do whatever you can to get rid of that threat. And that's what Herod thought. And so Herod, he wanted to kill this this so-called king. And so he tells the wise men, once you find this king, let me know so I too might go worship. But in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men and he was infuriated. And so, you know what he did? He sent and had all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, he had them killed so that, again, there would be no competition. And so that's what we see when we when we find this opposition, this combative relationship. See, Satan is constantly trying to defeat God and his salvific plan. He is trying to combat it. But in the end, it is going to be Christ who overcomes the deceitful, insidious ways of Satan. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54, But thanks be to God who gives us, what? Victory. It is Jesus who gives us victory. And so, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who has overcome all. Everything that Satan tries to do and Satan will continually try to scheme and be deceitful and insidious. But Jesus is the one who is going to overcome all at the end. And see, again, as I stated previously, Satan's time is limited. It is limited. Verse 5 here. And so she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. The male child, once again, speaks of Jesus Christ, the one who will rule and reign. Acts chapter 13, verse 23 says this. Of this man's posterity, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. And her child was therefore snatched up to God and to his throne. After Jesus' resurrection, Luke writes that Jesus was caught up and taken to heaven and now sits at the right hand of God the Father as a king and as an advocate for his people. But then it goes on at verse 6, and it says, And then the woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Now, this corresponds with what is stated in Revelation chapter 11 concerning the two witnesses, those representatives of the church who prophesy or preach God's word until the return of Christ. Oftentimes, people take literally what is stated here when it comes to the number of days. And so people start saying, oh, 1,260 days, you know, 365 days in a year, you know, that works out to about 300, I mean, sorry, three and a half years or so. But that's not what John is trying 
trying to convey. Again, remember, this is figurative language. It's symbolic. Ultimately, what John is stating here is similar to what he was stating in Revelation chapter 11. In Revelation chapter 11, when he was talking about the two witnesses who would prophesy, he was speaking about the church and how God had divinely placed the church here on this earth to prophesy and to share the good news, the gospel concerning Jesus Christ until his return. That is the missionary divine plan for the church to share the gospel and the good news until Christ's return. And what we find here is very similar in regards to this time frame. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of until the return of Christ. Now, the woman who represents the covenantal people of God, the, this wilderness is a place of preparation and provision. See, God's people will face persecution. They will face opposition. But God's covenantal people will be delivered and protected. I think of the nation of Israel when they were in the desert for 40 years. Yes, it was harsh. It was barren. But yet God took care of them. He provided for them. He gave them food, clothing, shelter, water. He provided for them in that desert wilderness time over that 40-year journey. Jesus and the Apostle Paul, they spent time in the wilderness or in the desert, and they too were provided for. But it should be emphasized that God prepares and he provides for his people until the return of his son, Jesus Christ. Yes, again, there is always contention and, op and oppression and persecution, but the church will never be destroyed. Never. If you can hear through hip-hop, then here it is, here it is, fresh off the presses, here to lift souls and clear all depression, uh. cause I know what it's like when the sun's all shining, but your soul feels night, feels like the court under gloom's dark presence, with a little light shining like the moon's sharp crescent, talk about it. How many days gone by when I said I was going to win and I ain't even try? I wake up at half court, the day is half gone, time left on the board is mad short. Rushing my shots, I hurry out the door, I don't pray, I don't Welcome take to the my worries to the Lord. How much time does it take today to I want to talk floor? about uh, a little bit about NCAA basketball. Right now, the uh, NCAA basketball tournament is starting to wind down. We have the championship game on tomorrow, Monday, uh, April 2nd, and... Uh, should be a good game uh, between Michigan and Villanova. I think Villanova's going to pull it out. I think they're just deeper. They shoot the ball well. They have, like, no weaknesses. Um, but uh, it's, it, I'm hoping for a good game. I'm hoping it's not uh, Villanova and Kansas where that was just a complete blowout. But with that being said, I wanted to kind of narrow down a little bit in regards to NCAA basketball and this whole – thing with you know the federal investigations and you know the probes and what's happening at at places like USC and in Louisville Auburn and and some other places I I think one of the things that 
ultimately, I think everybody agrees, ultimately there needs to be some something done when it comes to the finances and especially when we're talking about these high level athletes and uh, and them getting paid um you know under the under the table money and etc uh, Jalen Rose came out the other day and indicated that enough is enough we we need to start paying these guys uh so that we can uh, alleviate the issue when it comes to um you know you know payments uh, illegal payments kids being suspended and etc it it just doesn't seem fair or seem right and i've always been one of those guys that said, okay, hey, the athlete is getting the scholarship. That is their payment. Um, and just from a background standpoint, I, I went to Rice University on a football scholarship. I played baseball there. So I played at a high level and, you know, played two Division One sports. And so I, I think I can share a little bit, you know, at least from my perspective, my perspective in regards to, you know, the, the monetary piece of it. And, Again, I always thought, hey, you know what? You know, these kids are getting scholarships. They're getting their their school paid for and et cetera. So that should be enough. But then when you hear of financial numbers like this, so the NCAA signed a contract with CBS slash uh, TBS for to, to uh, deliver the the uh, NCAA tournament or to um, have the rights to um, broadcast the tournament. So CBS and TBS is going to pay the NCAA $10.8 billion, with a B, $10.8 billion. Are you kidding me? I, I, I can't even fathom $10.8 billion dollars over a 14 year period. So that means there the NCAA is going to get or receive a check for and I'm I'm just doing round math here, but 770 million dollars for the next 14 years. That's just crazy money. That does that doesn't even make any sense. But here's the thing. The athletes aren't benefiting from that money. They are I mean, if you want to look at their scholarships, their scholarships in regard in, in comparison to the amount of money that the NCAA get NCAA is receiving is so minuscule. It doesn't even compare. And so I think that's where guys are starting and I, I when I heard that number, that's where I, I thought to myself, okay, wait a second. That's not equitable. That there's no equity there, where the guys who are out on the court and performing, and that's the reason that people are going out and selling out the Alamo and you know going to these large arenas. That's the reason that concessions are being sold. You know, you know, um, marketing material is getting sold. Um, all of these things, you, you know, souvenirs jerseys, et cetera, et cetera. It's all being sold because people are coming to watch these guys play basketball. And so they have a $40,000 a year scholarship. And then the NCAA is getting 10.8 billion. There's, there's not equity there. It, It doesn't make any sense. And it's interesting that Spencer Haywood, former NBA player, Spencer Haywood came out and 
you know, oftentimes people don't want to, you know, really talk facts and they really don't want to get into conversations where, uh, where race is involved. But he said something and I, you, there might be some truth to it. There's a tinge of slavery there. You know, you think about, you know, think about basketball. The large percentage of the guys that are playing basketball are black. They're African-American. I mean, if you, you just look at the NBA, a, a roughly 75% of the NBA is black. You look at, you know, the NCAA basketball teams. For example, Villanova. Their starters, their starting five, I think, are all black. You know, they got a, a couple of white kids on the team who can ball themselves. But, you know, for the most part, it's a black team. If you look at Michigan, Michigan, little more, but I would say maybe about 60% of the kids on the team are black. You you, you take a team like um, Arizona, um, who got bounced out early, but Arizona, majority black. Uh, Alabama, I don't even know if they have any white kids, but, you know, it's all black, you know, based on just watching them play. And so, you know, the vast majority of the kids who are playing in the NCAA tournament and performing well, they're black. They're black. And so, you know, that's where Spencer Haywood gets kind of the the idea of slavery. Now, you also have to know Spencer Haywood's background. He grew up in Mississippi. He was his his family were sharecroppers. So they were in the fields, you know, picking cotton while the owner of the fields were getting the bulk of the money and they were barely getting enough money to live on. So that's the idea. And, you know, he's kind of talking about, you know, what what he had experienced as a child growing up and then relating it to it now. You know, so I I can get I can see where he's coming from. And again, there's there's some merit to that, because when an organization which is mostly white is running the NCA and I mean running the NCA and they're getting the bulk of the money and then these kids are getting us I mean I I haven't done the math but is it even a point is it even a percentage it doesn't seem like it and you know the whole thing about you know they need to figure out something I don't I don't have all the answers but they need to figure out some way so that they can get these kids some of the money that is being generated. Now, one of the things that is interesting and it's been a discussion for years and years and years is, you know, just the idea of allowing, you know, some of these kids, you know, you know some of these kids, they, they there was no need for them to even go to college, you know, like DeAndre Ayton from Arizona. I mean, the kid's seven one. He's got an NBA body. There was no need for him to go to Arizona. He should be going and playing in the pros. You know, Trey Young, you know, from a body standpoint, he probably could use some work, but his numbers were so ridiculous this year. You know, most likely the kid should have been going and playing in in the in the pros. Marvin Bagley, another one from Duke, who most likely could have gone straight to the pros. He was playing in the Drew League last year and killing it. And then you have a kid like Zion Williams, Williamson who's going to be going to Duke. The kid could probably go and play in the NBA right now. But yet they have to go to college and they can't 
actually go professional until they turn 19 or they're a year removed from graduation. It doesn't make any sense. And oftentimes people say, well, we're doing it for the benefit of the, of the kid. We want to make sure that they, you know, they can get an education or we want to make sure that, you know, the maturation process goes well. We don't want them to get hurt, yada, yada, this and that. Well, but you don't do that for any other sport. You don't do it for hockey. Think about hockey. The minimum age is 18. So you can come straight from high school, basically, and go play professional hockey. And by the way, it's 93% white baseball. You don't even, there's really no age limit. You just have to graduate from high school. But again, you know, almost 65% white tennis. You have to be 15. That's it. 15. So tell me there, you know, think about it when you were 15, where you were, you know, from a maturation standpoint, body wise, mentally, and yet. I'm going to guess it's probably 90%, if not higher, white. You know, golf, you have to be 18. I'm going to to guess, you know, those who associate themselves or consider themselves white, that's the vast majority. And yet the NBA has this thing where you have to be 19. It's the highest out of all the major sports. Yet it's quite interesting that it's flipped. The vast majority of the folks that play in the NBA are black, 75% approximately. So again, you know, and you've heard this, people don't want to discuss it, but it verges on there's some type of racial aspect there. Now, again, people, I know people are probably going to say that has nothing to do with it, but it's interesting. All those other sports that I mentioned, vast majority are white and they allow people from 15 to 18 to go and play professionally. But yet, when it comes to the NBA and the individuals who are really going to be most impacted are black, it seems like there is some inequality there. There's a, there, there's a double standard when it comes to, you know, availability, and and I think that's what Spencer Haywood is getting at. You know, and again, Spencer Haywood had to, he, he sued the NBA years and years ago so he could just play in the NBA, and so. At the end of the day, something has to be done again, because you can't have individuals making 10.8 billion. And yet the the guys who are really the revenue generators aren't getting any of that money. They're getting, you know, they're getting a scholarship, but they're not partaking in any of that money that is being generated by the uh, NCAA tournament. And that doesn't even count all the other TV deals, you know, for uh, ESPN and um, ABC and NBC and et cetera, et cetera. There are so many other deals that are happening, you know, that, you know, the kids aren't getting the benefits of. So I agree with Jalen and and Spencer Haywood's enough's enough. Something's got to be done so that there's some equity there. Thanks for listening.